Welcome to the Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview successful electronic music producers from around the world. We ask them how they're making their music, what they're doing in the studio. We talk about their careers, try to squeeze some marketing advice out of them for you guys. And, and the goal of the show is to inspire people out there to make better electronic music and get it out there and get it heard. And hopefully we can provide some tips for that. We always have killer producers on the show. This show is definitely no different. I'm super happy to have Nick Callahan calling us from Scotland today. Trans producer, kick-ass producer. What's going on, Nick? How you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for doing the show. No problem. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing these days. Um, Well, I'm a full-time music producer, engineer. Uh, I live in Glasgow, Scotland in the UK. Um, I've probably been producing for about 14 years professionally for about five. Um, 75% of the time I'm probably spending engineering um, and producing tracks for other artists, ghostwriting, if you will. Um, and then the other 25% of the time I'm working on my own music and my own career. Um, predominantly producing trance, but producing all sorts of genres at the moment, techno, deep house, side-trance. Um, I'll give anything a go, you know. So that's pretty much, in a nutshell, what I'm doing at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to pigeonhole you into trance there. It's oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not offended. I love <laughs> trance. <laughs> so you said 75% of the time you're working on basically other people's stuff and 25% you're working on yours. So I take it this is a full-time gig for you? Yeah, it's a full-time job, yeah. Um, currently, there's not a lot of money in sales and selling music, maybe like there was 20 years ago. So times have changed. Um, and as a, com- as a compromise to do this as a full-time job um, and get a regular income, um, I need to engineer and produce tracks for other artists in order to do it full-time. Um, but it's a small price to pay to do what I love doing, you know. So uh, it doesn't bother me. I get to wake up every day and do what I love doing, um, which is great. That is great, man. It's, it's very commendable. A lot of people try to do what you're doing, and that's one of their goals. Uh, what, so how would you say you got into being able to do it full-time? What was the, the process like of you know, making this your full-time gig? Yeah, uh, well, I used to, well, I studied uh, electrical engineering at university. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my degree on that. I was uh, in work. I had a traineeship with a company. Um, and as I was going through all of that, I was producing as a hobby. Um, still learning, um, finding my feet uh, in terms of production. And then I was working with a friend of mine called Will Atkinson. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, and we were, we were bouncing off each other. And as we were working together, we weren't really producing any music and putting it out there. We were just in the studio, learning new techniques, just bouncing off each other. Um, and all of a sudden, the two of us just started to get a lot better working together hmm. and learning together. And what had happened is we'd made a decision to remix um, a track called F16. It's from an artist called Simon Patterson. Um, and our, our studio setup was 
very modest, to say the least. We produced the track on an iPod docking station, um, and we gave it to him. Um, it gets signed to Spinning Records, and it ended up going to number one in Beatport, <laughs> which, which is a which is a big achievement, you know. We were really, really chuffed to bits with that, and I, th- I would say that was probably the turning point for me at that time. <clears throat> I was doing my traineeship with my company in the electrical engineering. Uh, the track had just went to number one, and I just thought, you know what, that that's, it's a sign. I took it as a sign. <laughs> And I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chuck it. I'm gonna chuck the traineeship. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this uh, production uh, nonsense uh, a right good go. I'm gonna go full time. See how I get on. The engineering was always uh, the electrical engineering was always something I could hopefully fall back on if it all went tits up with the engineering, uh, with the producing rather. Uh, so I decided to give it a go. And to be honest, I've never looked back since. It's not been. It's not been easy, you know, um, but um, I'm happy I made the decision. I can't say my parents were too happy at the time, but um, I've never looked back since, and I'm, I'm glad I th- I've made the right decision. Wow. Yeah, parents have a tough time taking the leap of faith with you on that one. Mine are yeah. the same way, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, it was, it was a big risk because the job I was in, it was, <clears throat> it was a good job, potential good earnings, um, but what had happened is I was going to have to go and work in Holland, um, offshore, mm-hmm. and for security purposes, they don't really let you take studio equipment on, oh. like your laptop. So I'd be climbing the walls, literally climbing the walls. And I know if I was there, all I'd want to be doing was to be back in my studio. And I just thought, nah, I, I can't do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give this a go and see how it got on. Um, so that, yeah. Wow, man, that's really inspiring. I am feeling you right now with that because there's so many people I'm sure out there who are listening, who have the pressure of that full-time job that they don't just really don't like the fact that you weren't even be able to take a laptop with you. That to me is like the crushing blow. Yeah. (laughs) Now let's get back to, uh, cause you said some pretty interesting things when you were talking about your history there, you made your track that went to Beatport number one on an iPad? Uh, no, not on an iPad, an iPod docking station, like where you would put the iPod on top and it would, it's just like little speakers for the iPod. Oh, that, those were your monitor speakers? Yeah, no, we don't make uh, it on an iPad. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm like, I know the software has come pretty far, but I didn't know if you came <laughs> that far. Oh, I got you. So that was what you were just listening through. Still, yeah, that's, that's yeah. A, so that's an amazing achievement. Ah, well, to be fair, the, the little speakers, they, they, they do the damage. The, there's a good little sound that comes out of them, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it's my mate Wills. Um, he, they were, it was his docking station. And we've both made probably about 50, 60 tracks between us on that little docking <laughs> station. Uh, it's, it's quite funny. That's really cool. And, you know, it's actually amazing. You don't, Sometimes you find a piece of cheap gear that does the job so well that you, it's just as good or better than if you spent thousands of dollars on a you know a more expensive piece of gear. Yeah, no, I think I think um, the F sixteen remix is a prime example of that. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> I think if you know the speakers very well and you know how much low end's coming out at high end, getting the back the sonic balance right when you're mastering it, you know, I don't. Right. 
and using <clears throat> using other tracks as a reference just for peace of mind. Um, I think yeah, you could you could you could in essence use any speakers, but I wouldn't I wouldn't advise it. I would advise get yourself a good set of monitors. You know, sure. Uh, now that I have a good pair now, you know, so uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise it, but it, it, it is doable. Sure, sure. No, it's that's also good for people to know. I mean, they don't have to spend a million dollars to have a million dollar sounding track. No, no, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Now you got this track to beat port number one. I'm sure a couple of people out there are wondering how you actually did that. What was the process of, you know, getting the track, putting it through the docking station, mixing it down, and then what did you do with the track where it ended up in on number one? Um well it was a it was a remix for Sign Parson. The track was called F sixteen, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Um it was the process. It, t- it did take us a long time. To be fair, I think it took us probably two months. Uh, when when the two when myself and Will go in the studio together, the process is a lot longer. Mm-hmm. We, we we don't get a lot of time in the studio together. So when we are in, we just take our time. Um, every time we're in, we use it as a sort of learning platform. Bounce off each other. Try new things. You know, when you're in with someone else, they can they can push you to try maybe something different that you that you would not necessarily try if you were yourself. You know, definitely. You get inspiration off each other. So um, we didn't have a remix pack or any of the parts for the track. We just made it all from scratch. Um, sourced little audio snippets from the from the original, um, and I, I, we sent him the track and. I don't know, it just he had his own label, uh sub label off of spinning records at the time called Night Vision. And it um it just got, got released and it just done really well. I mean um I suppose we took inspiration from Psytrance. Um with the trance at that time, Psytrance it wasn't as it didn't it hadn't blown up yet. Yeah. And um I was really into my Psytrance. I've always I've always been a fan of Psytrance since even the late nineties. And I just, I really, I loved the arrangement of Psytrance, how the bass sequences could change. It could go rolling for 16 bars and then it would, there'd be a small transition and it would go offbeat for 16 bars and then it would maybe go into triplets. I I just liked it. I thought the the arrangement of Psytrance had a lot of character Mm -hmm. and we definitely took inspiration um, with the remix uh, from, from Psytrance using some psychedelic elements but in particular it was uh, the arrangement um we took inspiration from the old sort of side trance tracks gotcha and then you just sent it to him and then away it went that's so, it pretty much in a nutshell yeah that's what happened that's really cool now you did mention and i want to touch on this you know how you're working with somebody else and how that can be such a you took a huge uh, how do I say this? It's like you said, you get inspiration from the other person. It's you have that dynamic of working with another person. You probably won't get bogged down as much just as working by yourself, which I think a lot of producers do. Um, so how did you, how did that come about where you guys started working together? You just you were good friends and then you just decided, let's just do this. Um, what had happened was Will's I'm, I'm 31 and Will's what, 25 now. He's a lot. He's six years younger than me, um, so there's a bit of an age gap there. But what how we'd met was 
through Judge Jules. Judge Jules used to have a, a show on BBC Radio 1 and I used to listen to it religiously every single week, um, starting from when I was like 13 years old. And Will was the same. He was from an island um, in pretty much the middle of nowhere called Orkney. It's in the north of Scotland. So he was doing exactly the same as me. He was listening to Judge Jules religiously. His taste in music was exactly the same as mine. And I was sending um, Jules some little bootlegs and little reworks, edits, etc., <clears throat> which um, he was playing on his show. And Will was doing the same thing at the time. And um, we just got in touch via MSN. He was giving me some of his tracks. I was giving him some of my tracks. And I was like, listen... There's a big event in Glasgow called Colours Fest. Do you fancy coming down? Judge Jules is playing. And he's like, I'd love to come down. He was only like 16 at the time. <laughs> um, I picked him up from the airport, um, this little scrawny, spotty wee kid, <laughs> who's now who's um, now completely transformed. Um, but uh, at the time, we went to that Colours, Colours Fest event and we've been friends ever since. We, we had to off right away. Um, we went in the studio the weekend he was down um, and we were just um, have, having a play about not necessarily trying to make a track just um, having a mess about on Ableton and I was showing him Ableton because he was using Reason at the time mm-hmm. um, and he went back and he was using Ableton uh, and I, we just hit it off ever since then and about five months later he decided to move down to Glasgow <clears throat> and we've been good Good, very good mates ever since, and that was what maybe eight, nine years ago. Oh. So, in a long, long time. That's awesome. I, I got to admit, I'm really jealous of you because I don't have a Will Atkinson here <clears throat> for myself. You know, I I want to find that person that I can collaborate with and like help each other move forward. So that's yeah. That's no, what. it's good. It's good to have somebody close and the sort of doesn't even need to be in the music industry just in your profession that you can confide in you can bounce off each other um share trade secrets little tips little techniques you know yeah um, we've helped each other out a lot uh, and you know how it is this industry is not exactly it can be tough at times and sometimes you, people sort of vent out on social media and it's unnecessary but sometimes you do need to get things off your chest and I suppose me and Will are like two workmates that will maybe get together and have a little rant you know like as as maybe two guys within the work complaining about how much a dick their boss is or whatever we we do the same you know and then we just draw a line under it and get on with it you know so it's good it's it's, not even in a production sense and sort of just to keep you sane it's good to have somebody uh, close in the scene that you can just um, confide in, you know? Oh, definitely. That's <clears> very <throat> cool, man. Congratulations on you guys teaming up and, you know, the success you've had so far. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> now, you guys did talk, or you talked earlier about you guys being in the studio, learning all kinds of new techniques and really improving your skills. Yep. So uh, first, let me ask you, you're using Ableton, is that right? Both of you guys now? <clears throat> yeah, okay. I've I've used Ableton since day dot. I've never... I've never really used any other uh, door. Um, I, I know Ableton like the back of my hand now, so um, and it does everything that I require from it. Um, so yeah, I've, not, I've, I've never looked back. Ableton's my choice. 
but I think uh, all the dogs are excellent now. Logic, Cubase, Fruity Loops, they're all they're all great, you know. Um, I think it's uh, they've all got their special little bonuses you know they've all got something better than another but yeah. i think uh, as a whole they're all very good and i think it's uh, how you use it you know absolutely yeah i have them all and i like messing around with them but the one i stick with the most is studio one have you ever used it yeah it's relatively new yeah i've heard of that yeah i love that one well you guys you said you made a lot of uh improvements in your sound and you were coming up with uh cool techniques and stuff so hit us up with some killer production tips that you guys learned while in the studio, just plugging away. Um, some cool techniques. Don't want to give too much away, but yeah, right, okay. Um, some techniques. I would say, well, I do tutorials. I've got guys that come into the studio. I maybe do like three or four a month. And one of the th- one of the common things people tend to ask me is how how do I get depth in my mixes? Like how how do you get that sort of texture and depth and movement in your mix. Why? How does it sound so wide and sort of more life to it, more yeah. brightness and life to it? Yeah. And I, I, I tend to say to them, yeah, I'll listen to their tracks and everything's at the front of their mix. Everything's at the front. There's no depth. And I always say, I always say to them, listen, you need to hone in on your EQ and you need to get a lot more clinical with it. You need to. For, for for example, if it was like a, a sort of old school stab that they wanted throughout the groove of the track, but they do, you you want they, they don't want it sitting at the front of the mix. They want it they want it kind of at the background, creating depth. Yeah. I say to them, use use your filters. Use a low pass filter on it. Filtering isn't just for like filtering like your kicks for builds and transitions and whatnot. What you would usually use a filter for filters are also very good for creating depth you know so you can put a low pass filter on the stab and maybe cut it at about 4000 kilohertz 3000 kilohertz boost it with your eq there and what it will do if you add a little bit of delay and reverb it will create depth and it will make that sound sound further away you know yeah the lower the the lower the frequency of the sound the further away the further away it will sound if you know what i mean yeah the higher the frequency, the closer it's going to sound. It's like if you were outside a club, all you would hear is the low end and the sub bass. But as you walk in that front door into that club and go closer and closer to the speakers, the high end starts coming coming in your face, you know. So low frequencies travel further distance, high frequencies travel a short distance. So if you think about it logically, if you're trying to create depth in your mix, I think cutting the high end is crucial wow and that's so good it sounds something that's actually fairly obvious um but to be honest a lot of the guys that come in it's one of the common questions i get asked you know and um that you'll be surprised at uh, how many people struggle to get depth in the mixes and that that is that that's pretty much how you do it that is an awesome tip i think a lot of people are afraid to cut frequencies in their eq because they, they don't want to ruin the sound so the fact that you're saying cut it and put each one, you know, at the right distance sonically, basically, um, yeah. is an amazing tip. No, definitely. You've got to have stuff at the front of the mix. You've got to have stuff at the back of the mix. You've got to have stuff in the middle of the mix. You've, you've, you've got to fill out all your, you've got so much frequencies there to play with. 
uh, your stereo imaging from mono to stereo. You've got so much room to play with there. I look at it all as like a, a big cube box, and you've got to fill you've got to fill it up with all these musical elements. That's the way I sort of look at it metaphorically, if you, so to speak. I'd say another good tip is. Um, <sighs> CPU is always an issue, I think, with uh, a lot of people. Um, some people are working on laptops. Not everyone's got a really powerful computer, you know. Mm-hmm. They're trying to they're trying to produce a, a high a, tra- a, a track to a high standard, um, and obviously it needs a lot of detail if you're going to aim for a high standard, and it can compromise your CPU. Uh, and I think a good tip would be to bust your reverbs. Put your reverbs into uh, input tracks and send your effects, like your crashes, your sweeps. Um, like maybe have a like a reverb that's really big, get a really sort of long room size, decay size to it. Maybe have another bus reverb track that you can send maybe acid lines, little sequences that's maybe not as big, but you still you still want it to have that sort of add width. So you still want some reverb on it, you know. So I, th- I think when I started bussing my reverbs, it, it saved me a lot of aggro. Um, so that's another sort of good tip uh, and a logic sort of uh, respect. Well, how? Well, definitely, I, I love that for saving CPU. That's key. Yeah. Um, I do bust my reverb, but I usually just use one. I haven't experimented with two. How many reverb buses do you normally have on your tracks? Um, <clears throat> I'll maybe have three. Wow, like a real short, a mid, medium, and then a long. Yeah, yeah. Neat. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd say another tip. I could go on forever with these tips, <laughs> but I'd say another tip would be something that I learned and it made a huge difference. It's something a lot of producers wouldn't necessarily give away. Um, is it inverting? So I don't know if you're you're familiar with inverting. Um, like phase. Yeah, that's it, phase. So you can either lead or lag something. So you can phase it left or you can phase it right. And uh, what it does, if you were to phase an element, it would take the low end out, no matter if you phase it left or right. It takes uh, the majority of your your low end out, but it's great for creating an extra sort of dynamic in your overall mix. You need to be careful with it. You can, an overall sort of, mix down you can, if you if you go sort of overkill with it you can uh, cause correlation problems like you're phasing uh, but if if you know what you're doing with it and um you you, you do it right it, it's it's amazing the difference it can make to your mix downs a, a good example would be um if you've got open hats in your groove that are maybe going offbeat but then you want to have like a like a ride, an open ride, like mm-hmm. cymbals, or like off the kick, you know. So mm-hmm. they're two very similar frequencies, these open hats and this open ride groove, two different elements, but two very similar frequencies. You could maybe EQ one slightly lower than the other, so the other one sort of fizzes on top of the other, but they're, they're, there's going to be phasing issues there, especially if you've got like delay or reverb on them. Um, there's a good chance you're going to uh, have some phasing issues there. So what you can do is you can invert one, uh, to the right and what it does is it just it will phase shift it 90 degrees to the right and it just creates it will just cut through so much better you know it'll just cut through you'll, you'll hear both elements a lot clearer um, so, so um, it, it's not just for hats I mean I use it for little 
little percussion hits, really, really tiny sort of sounds, but um, with the right processing. And if you invert it and you, you give it a little bit of a boost on the EQ, it really cuts through your mix and it just it just adds an extra sort of dynamic to your mix, an extra depth, and it gives you it gives you more room in your mix. I see. So I'd say that's that's a really important tip. If um, nobody's aware of that, I would I'd look into it, but just be careful that you don't go overboard with it. Yeah, I think not a lot of people are using inverting and, and worrying about phase. So you're basically the the whole principle is you have two sounds that are kind of fighting with each other, and if you invert the phase of one, it'll kind of open up that frequency a little bit so you can hear them both. Is that what's going on? Yeah, the, the ear just recognizes that other that other sound a lot better I see. if it's inverted, you know. I see. Um, it's, uh, it's a very, very handy tip. I use it in my layers as well, so... If I'm laying like a like a like a lead like plucks, I don't I don't always layer like when it comes to like main elements of my track. I'm normally layering, um, so I'll maybe invert one to the left, invert another element to the right. They're they're both get the same sound on it. I say it's a musical pattern. Um, <clears throat> one will be inverted left, other will be inverted right, and then it will have a couple of sort of stereo layers as well. Um, and it really just widens the overall sound, you know. Um, I gotta, so I gotta use that. That's such a good tip. I'm definitely gonna use that. No, it's good. Uh, you need to bear in mind it does, it does take away the low end. So you need to compensate and you need to boost maybe the mid to lows. Even, even that's a great effect. If you boost the mid to lows on an invert, especially little bass elements, these little tiny bass elements can just cut right above your bass line. And they, they just cut right through, and they glide above your your sort of your 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 sort of engine of the track, your sub, your kick, your your uh, your stereo baseline you've got there. If you've got little sort of bass stabs inverted, and you just boost the the sort of mid to lows, they they cut through and they sound so fat. But actually, if you silence them, they're they're, they're really thin. It's amazing. It's an amazing effect. It wow. it, it it completely changed. Um, the quality of my, my, my productions anyway. Wow. It sounds like you definitely have that engineering mind to be able to figure that out and use that. Um, I'm a total geek. <laughs> That's so good. So what do you, you, you say you teach people, um, do you have in-person tutorials or you do YouTube tutorials or? Yeah, no, I, I just do in-person tutorials. I, I, wow. I, could, I couldn't do the Skype tutorials. Um, I just, you're not getting the benefit of the sound there. I know a lot of guys do do it, and if it works for them, fair enough, but not for me. I just do one-to-ones. I work online with clients when it comes to engineering music for them, you know. Yeah. Um, I can do that, but um, in terms of tutorials, nah, it needs to be in the studio. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right, well, let's talk about your career a little bit right now. Um, yeah. You know, I see that you DJ probably as much as you produce. You do DJing a lot, right? Nah, I don't, to be honest, I don't DJ that often. Okay. Um, I, I do the odd uh, good gig here and there, um, but I've been predominantly producing tracks for other people. It's only, I get married in May, so you can imagine um, saving up for <laughs> uh, saving up for weddings and things like that, you know, it, um, it, it's, uh, it's hard going, so... Yeah. I've been prioritising engineering, so it's only ever since June I've really been focusing on my own music, really trying to build uh, some releases, um, 
and I'm at a stage now that uh, I really want to kind of get a little bit more involved in the scene, get out there a little bit more, play my music in clubs. But yeah, I have played in some uh, cool places, um, but uh, I'm more so in the studio than I am um, behind the decks in a club. I got you. Okay, that makes sense. And congratulations on getting married, by the way. Ah, uh, thank you. No problem. So, do you have any amazing moments that you could share with us from your career thus far, whether producing or DJing? Something that stands out as like this is just awesome. I wish everybody could feel like I feel right now. Type of type of moment. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple. Um, I've just finished a track called "Love for Today," and producing that track. Uh, I just, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. It's the best melody I've ever done. Um, I really, I really, so I put my heart and soul into it. And um, I I think uh, it was a, I think it's a, I don't know, a a turning point, I suppose, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, this track. Um, And do you know, if you're producing yourself, when you you really, get a, a really nice melody um, sometimes there's no better feeling you know yeah producing a track and everything's just fits together musically giving you goosebumps um, so that was just a couple of weeks ago I finished that one so I'm really proud of that but also um, I'm recently back from Argentina I was playing I was playing uh, a couple of gigs over there in uh, La Plata and Buenos Aires uh, and I was there with my mate Will who we were talking about before, mm-hmm. um, and we've always we've always dreamed of like doing like a like a, a really long set. So we played in Buenos Aires in a club called Nicheto for seven hours, which means you can play. You've got seven hours to play whatever the hell you want. The crowd there are just brilliant. They're so open minded. Um, they're so clued up in their, their dance music, especially like the darker stuff, like your techno, your psychedelic, like the faster stuff. They, they don't really like breakdowns. They just want it absolutely banging, relentless. Really? So it, it that suits me and Will um, down to the ground. So we we had an absolute ball. We were playing we were playing stuff from back in the early two thousand stuff we grew up on that you just never ever get a chance to play. You <laughs> know, it's 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 very seldom that you get to play for that sort of length of time. And be able, we've both played there before. Uh, by ourselves but uh, to be able to experience it with one of your best mates is, is it was just an amazing feeling it was it's probably my best gig to date oh dude that is awesome i i feel like i was there with you it's but seven hours you, you used to do that non-stop huh uh seven hours well the plan was to maybe take little half hour half hour turns you know it's a it's a long it's, it's a long time to be playing but it, fl- it flew in and we were back to back the whole seven hours uh, you just didn't want to leave the decks. Yeah, so yeah. Fantastic. Oh, dude, that's great. I love those. I love asking that question. I love the answers I get from that question. So um, kind of more on a negative, what has been the biggest challenge you've encountered so far in your career, and, and how did you overcome it? Um, I think just teaching myself how to produce, I think the overall journey is, is very frustrating. Um, trial and error. Um, how how do how does that person do that? How is their sound so much tighter than mine? Where are they getting the warmth from? Where are they getting the width from? Like trying to learn yourself 
it's difficult. And then you've got you've got other guys who now I go straight now, you know. So um, I help people out and it kind of fast tracks them into the scene. But when I was kind of coming up and learning, getting frustrated uh, and seeing all these guys sort of leapfrog you, yeah, because they're just pay, they're just paying somebody like myself. Uh, to, to make them a track, it's getting signed, and before you know it, these guys are gigging all over the world, oh, um, and you, you're you're still banging your head off a wall trying to try to nail this this one track. You know, it's it's frustrating, but um, the hard work and effort uh, pays dividends when you, you, when it all clicks together. You know, um, suppose it's a it's a catch twenty two, in that sort of respect. Um, learning yourself you know it takes time but it's definitely worth it as I said there's no better feeling in the world than producing a track and creating like this little what was a little melody into this this full this full well-produced track and it's such a great feeling you know yeah Uh, Yeah. but yeah I would say that and I'd say like when I'm engineering tracks for people at the when I started engineering tracks for people I found it hard to detach myself from the track I, I've just made for them. <laughs> I would still think it was mine. And I, I thought I, I struggled with that. It, it, it's, it's character building, um, doing the engineering. You need, to, you, need to, you need to not get too personal with the track. At the time, yeah, maybe you've got a week to produce the track for them. Produce the track and then just instantly detach yourself from it. It's not yours anymore. Best of luck to them. Hope the track does well for them. But just move on, move on. Focus on your own stuff. Um, yeah, so I struggled with that. I struggled to detach myself from tracks I'd engineered. That was hard. Now, do you think that that's a good skill to have? Like, it's something everybody should learn. If you're, I guess, if you're writing for other people, you have to, right? Yeah. Again, it's a catch twenty-two. You obviously want to do as best you can for them within yeah. the time frame that you've got. Um, it's just like any other job, providing a service, you want to do the best you can or you're just going to end up with no customers, no clients. Right, it's a right. job at the end of the day. But um, at times when you really like the track and you wish it was yours, it, 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 it took me, it maybe took me a year to get into a sort of mental state where I could detach myself <laughs> from the tracks. Wow. Um, it's frustrating, you yeah. know, but... Um, it's good to on the other hand it's good to see the guys who you do them for they're, they're satisfied the tracks are doing well for them um, and their careers are moving forward you know yeah. um, as I said it's a, it's a catch 22 yeah well I mean like you said it's a business you're delivering what you promised so you're, you're being ethical about it yeah okay last question here is uh, you know a lot of guys who are listening to this they want to improve their production skills. They want to get their music out there and heard. They want to succeed in this industry. What's the best piece of advice you could give to them? Um, I would say, uh, I'd say there's uh, many factors. I think um, get get your Facebook artist page up, your SoundCloud page, Twitter, any sort of social media, so you can get your tracks um, heard. Um, I would say a, a good a good little tip would be if you've got uh, maybe start a little monthly mix and every sort of artist that you, you support on your mix tag them 
tag them on Twitter, tag them on Facebook, let them know that you're supporting their track, uh, you're supporting their track, although you're maybe only DJing in your bedroom and you've got this little monthly podcast, it means you're getting your name out there, you're yeah. tagging them, other people see your name tagged in their page, these big artist pages, and before you know it, it, it keep the momentum going, and if then all of a sudden if you're producing your own track, people will maybe recognise your name from somewhere else. Um, share it, like get little previews up in SoundCloud. Um, what else? I'd say if, if, if you're sort of at a stage where you are releasing in labels, maybe not big labels, I would say momentum's key. Hmm. Um, I think momentum's crucial, uh, especially these days uh, in terms of uh, releasing your tracks. I would say if you're, if you're full-time like myself, like uh, I'm really hoping to start getting the releases out within the next month, really go for it. And I'm aiming to get maybe one out one every six weeks. Um, I think you can get easily forgotten about in the scene because of the amount of releases out right, um, right. like every week. You know, people longevity in terms of music these days isn't um it doesn't last as long as it used to right. um, so that, the, the amount of traffic and releases um so i think momentum is key you obviously want to uh, produce to the highest quality you can but um I, I would build your releases keep keep um keep on top of yourself you know you want to always be in front um in terms of momentum uh, because it can these releases when they get released, you're talking maybe two weeks hype before the release, and then two weeks after it, um, you'll get you people support it and play it. Um, this is just the majority I'm talking about. There yeah. is the odd track that does have longevity, but uh, realistically, it's not the case anymore. Um, so you want to then have another track ready to to build the hype on that, you know. And uh, the guys that I'm seeing breaking through at the moment, um, there's one sort of constant within their success and it is uh, momentum. Hmm. That is great advice. Momentum. Really yeah. good stuff, man. Really good stuff. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this interview and I, I really thank you for doing it. No problem. Yeah. Can you tell people where they could find you and all about you and hear all your music? Uh you can catch me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DJ Nick Callahan or SoundCloud, soundcloud.com um, forward slash Nick Dash Callahan or Twitter at twitter.com forward slash underscore Nick Callahan underscore. Awesome. If you guys didn't catch them, we're going to have show notes up for this show. You could find it at theproducer.club. That's our main website. Head on over there. We also have a SoundCloud channel at soundcloud.com slash theproducerpodcast. Nick, you rock for doing this, man. Thank you so much for giving us this great information. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's going to be it for the Producer Podcast for today. See you next time.